I'm working on this series on Sundays uh, on suicide. Uh, the first one we did uh, was um, those five folks that had a death wish. The next installment will be called uh, Resist the Devil. Uh, the devil is behind suicide. And I do think that this is a good appendix to that series, one on fasting. And I think as we get into it, you'll see why. So I want to record maybe about 30 minutes of this and put it as an addendum to that series. Uh, I think that'll be pretty important uh, to have that uh, linked to it. So with that being said, uh, I'm going to ask that if you do have questions, just hold off for about 30 minutes. Okay, this evening I'd like to uh, discuss uh, the topic of fasting. Uh, fasting is an unusual subject because it's unusual because it is not a commandment in the Bible. However, it is something that God expects you that you're going to do. And uh, I would like to, to cover that. First of all, just to prove that it is, is in Matthew six sixteen and 17, Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast, it says when you do it. And uh, in that particular, he was giving a warner, don't do it to be a showboat. Um, and we'll get more into detail with that in a little bit of, in a little bit of time. There's another reference to in 1 Corinthians 6 and 5, Paul was addressing husbands and wives and not defrauding one another. And he said, you are to make yourself available to your spouse. And the only exception is that is if you decided to fast for a while and during that period of time, you, you, you don't. So again, Paul is expecting that's something that commonly occurs and that's it. And then we will go to Mark 9, and I would like to read this passage. So if you have your Bibles and would turn with me there, uh, I want to uh, read this passage. And uh, let's start at verse 20. Verse 29 is the one I really want, though. Mark 9 and verse 20. <clears throat> um, Jesus had sent out his disciples, and they were ministering, and they came upon this father who had a son, and... Uh, what happened was is the Pharisees and some of the Jews were standing around and there was a great big little um, brouhaha going on there. And uh, the disciples were trying to cast this devil out of this man's son and they couldn't do it. So we come to verse 20 and then Jesus shows up on the scene and it says, they brought him unto him. In other words, this young boy, they brought him to Jesus Christ. And when Jesus saw him, straightway the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And once again, Jesus full knew well the answer, but he's doing it for the benefit of the disciples and all the dis anybody that was around. And the father said, Of a child. And oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, um, this man is being, he's possessed by a devil. And when we get into our series on suicide, I want this to be addendum to that series because the second installment of that series is going to be entitled Resist the Devil. The devil is behind a lot of suicide and we need to be praying for it. And this is one of the cases where Satan made an inroad, and that's what next Sunday is going to be all about. But he made an inroad, and in order to fight that inroad, this is going to be one of the things we can do to fight that inroad. But I want you to notice that the destructive nature of Satan, to physically harm yourself, he hates 
people. He's a destroyer. He's a liar. And he gets in your head and tells you lies. And this is the case. Verse 23. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. That sounds like all of us, doesn't it? Okay. Verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that he said, they, many said, he is dead. Verse 27. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come into the house, the disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? Here's the verse 29. And he said unto them, This kind come, can come forth by nothing, but by prayer and fasting. There are times where we need to crank up our prayer life, and fasting is one of the ways we do that. Now, before we get too far into the subject of fasting, I do want to show you that this is a really important text, because nearly every other version of the Bible has taken that phrase out, and fasting. I've got the NIV in front of me, And I'm going to read verse 29. 28 says, After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, This kind come out by only by prayer. Okay? And here's the ESV. And I'm going to read 28 and 29. And 28 says, And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said unto them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Okay? Half the formula is gone, right? Who would like to take those... I'm always the cynic. Who would like to take those two words out of Scripture? Huh? Who do you think would be behind? The devil, that's right. If it comes out only by prayer, they were praying, but only comes out by prayer and fasting, there are times where we need to crank up the intensity, and fasting is one of those ways. Okay? Now, fasting is unusual in that it is not a command. I can't, I tried to think of other things that were like it, and I, off the top of my head, I couldn't. Now, when I grew up a Catholic, <clears throat> we were told to fast. Ours was a very unique fast. I'm, I'm so old that as a little boy, we could never eat meat on Friday. So there's 52 days in a year that I could not eat meat. So my mom and dad were, were struggled with, with all us kids at home. I can't tell you how many times we had cheese pizza on Friday night because finding a vegetarian meal was, was, was kind of tough back then. But, but anyway, that's, that's, that's what it was. And then sometime in my teens, the Catholic Church changed it and they said, well, you can eat meat on Friday, but only during the Friday is during Lent. So during that uh, 40-day period, you're not supposed to eat meat on Friday, but the other day you can start doing it. So the fish industry didn't like that new rule, but basically that's what happened. Okay? But my point is, is as a child, being in the Catholic Church, that was a commandment. 
And if we ate meat on a Friday, we had to go confessional and confess the sins and say our, our fathers and our Hail Marys to make penance for that sin. So that was a command. Fasting is not a commandment, but it is something God expects us to do. With that being said, um, I've got a couple definitions here, the Hebrew definition of it, and uh, uh, that the word that's in the Old Testament that's made fasting literally means to cover over the mouth. The Greek definition is to abstain from food, not eating. In Psalm 109.24 and Mark 8.3, it's a physical weakness because of lack of nourishment. In Psalm 69.10 and 2 Corinthians 11.27, it's a spiritual affliction or chastening of one's soul. And then finally, in Psalm 35.13 and Joel 2.12, it's an attempt to intensify your communion with God. And if you've ever fasted for a period of time, you'll know that's the case. It's amazing that when you skip a couple meals and you go before the Lord, I mean, it doesn't take but just a couple minutes after you prayed that prayer where guess what you're thinking about? I'm thinking about food. And then you think how frail this body is. So it's, it's, it's a taste, it's, it's, it's a way to try to put down this carnal man to focus on your spiritual man for a short time of, of, of being, Okay. I've got six verses in the Bible. Now, what I did is I, I surveyed um, Scripture, and I found 30 fasts in Scripture. And I've got those listed in your notes, and you can look them up. And if, you're, um, if, if, if you don't have the notes and one day you want to do it, you just simply look up fast, fasting, fasted, fasts, things like that in the, in the Scripture. And there's 30 of them, and you know what? No pattern is the pattern. I see fast that was done by an entire nation. I've seen fast that were done by one person. I've seen fast that were done by just two people. I've seen fast that were done by a small group. I've seen fast done by a pretty good size group. So there's no method to it. Now, a lot of times people will think, oh, I've read Hebrew, or, uh, Matthew chapter 6, and when you fast, you're supposed to do it privately. Well, I think that's true. But if you go to that kind of reasoning, we would never offer up a public prayer in church because it says when you pray, go into your closet, right? So basically what that passage is saying, don't do it and be a showboat. When you fast, wash your face. Don't look all disfigured and haggard and draw attention and tell you're fasting. But at the same time, there are many fasts that are done with small groups of people, okay? I've looked also at how long a fast was. Now, most of the fasts in the Bible were just a day. But I've seen them that gone for three days, for seven days, for one night. And then I've seen Jesus, he went for 40 days. I've seen fasts that were uh, for bread and water. I've seen fasts that were just, you could have water only. I I saw fasts of of Daniel and... uh, Remember Daniel, I think he ate his special bread for three years, and Daniel ate some pulse for a period of time. So there were modified paths where you took no pleasurable food and you ate this mundane thing, and and that was for a longer period of time. And again, my conclusion is no pattern was the pattern. I've seen people fast because they sinned. I've seen people fast because there was a battle coming up. I've seen people fast because um, they were just speaking to God. Sometimes they were mourning. Sometimes um, there's a whole reason, uh, there's a whole slew of reasons. 
And this is just a, my personal testimony. I found that the most effective fasts in my life over the last maybe 20, 25 years is when I fasted for something very, very specific. I mean, it was laser pointed at something really, really specific. Lord, I've got to make this decision. I do not know what to do. Please give me an answer for this decision. And the Lord's done it. Okay. So, so that's been my experience. And, um, uh, so you can take it or leave it there. That's, that's not scripture. That's my testimony. Okay. But with that being said, <clears throat> I've got eight verses here that tell you what's a bad fast. Okay. We just discussed one of them. One of them is in Matthew 6. And the one in Matthew 6 is when you fast for the wrong audience. Okay. If you're doing it for the praise of men, it's not going to do you a lick of good. Okay. There's another reference in Luke 18. Remember two men went to go pray and the Pharisees, I fast twice a week. I mean, he just did it and it became so rote and it was so legalistic that it didn't mean anything. Do you understand? It was, it was done on legalism. So we can't do it that way. In, uh, in uh, let's see, Jeremiah 14, 10 through 12, the people were fasting. But when they were fasting, they were sinning. And they took no effort to confess or repent from their sin. So if you're fasting and there's something you're doing that is just very, just in your face to God, contrary sin, and then you go fast asking for this special insight or, or, or maybe this favor or this delivery, and you've got the sin in your life, you can pretty much push that one off. Okay? Isaiah 58, there's talking about a fasting there. A group of people were fasting, but they were not of one accord. There was divisions and fighting going on among them. So if we as a church come together and we say, hey, we want to fast, but then we're fighting, God's not going to honor that. So we need to be of one accord. And um, uh, Zechariah 7 and 5. Uh, this is a time where God actually questioned the motive of the fast. So it depends, Lord, I'm going to fast because I want to hit the lottery. All right, you think God will honor that one? Probably not. Okay? Uh, I'll give you just one more example uh, before we open this up and, and look at some of these detailed ones. There is one fast, and it's Acts 14. And uh, I got this is something I shared with my father in the ministry oh, back in, when was I ordained? 99. So this is 23 years ago. And, and we had a um, Union Church in Roswell, Georgia, had a, basically it was an annual meeting, and it was a Friday night, it was all day Saturday, and it was Sunday. And my pastor, Edward Cagle, said, we're going to have a lot of elders there. It'd be a good time to get to Presbytery. Let's ordain Brother Dolph on that weekend. And I, and I was reading this passage in Acts chapter uh, 14. And I, because I was, it was innocent. I Believe me, I didn't ask it to try to be more holy than anybody else. But here was an ordination where the disciples fasted 
And then they laid hands and they ordained some elders. And I said, Edward, if this seems to be the pattern in the New Testament, why do we always have this great big church potluck and then come together and ordain an elder? And he did his, I always knew I was in trouble when he did his throat clearing thing. I knew I was, but then he, he said, fine. What we'll do is we'll have the ordination Friday night and then we'll have all the preaching and all day Saturday. So that's what they did. And what happened was they didn't announce it and make a big deal, but that little bitty church that uh, at Union Church uh, got together and they said, we're going to fast all day Saturday, have the ordination on Friday night. No, 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 not, not Saturday, Friday. We'll fast all day Friday. We'll have the ordination Friday night. And then on Saturday when they have the meeting, we'll have lunch on the grounds and we'll do all that kind of stuff. And that's what they did for me. And I was very thankful and I felt very special for the several people that uh, joined in that particular effort. But again, it was something very laser-focused. Now, if I did it trying to be more holy than anyone else or set myself apart from other preachers because they had a potluck before it, I mean, that fast would have done me absolutely no good. So that's, that's, that's the kind of an example. So when you go through Scripture and, 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 and you're looking at these fasts, and I've got all 30 of them listed there, and you can read those and read the unique things going on there. Uh, I don't see any fast in the New Testament with sackcloth and ashes. That was an Old Testament thing. I don't see anybody doing that. But I do believe you don't have to be in sackcloth and ashes because it almost looks like that's contrary to the Matthew 6 instruction where you're putting attention on yourself. So I'm not going to go out in my front yard and put sackcloth and ashes and sit there for a couple days so people drive by and see me. I'm not going to do. I'm going to wash myself off. I'm going to go on with life as normal as possible so they don't know because this is between God and I, or maybe the couple people that we're doing it with. Now I've learned to do this over time. This is just a practical thing, and I'll say, you know, Deborah, I'm, I'm burdened about something, and I'm going to be fasting, so I don't want to hurt your feelings when you cook dinner and I'd walk away. So I'll give her advance notice on that. But it's just, I'm not trying to get her praise or make her think I'm holy. I'm just, I don't want to hurt her feelings. Because if I do, I, I could do that otherwise. So, so you got to be practical about it. Be real about it. All right. Let's go back. Why did I in, interject this particular subject of fasting in the middle of this series on suicide? I do believe that this is one of the ways where we crank up the intensity of our prayer life. Uh, there's a couple ways you can intensify your things, your prayers. In First uh, Timothy two eight, you can intensify your prayers with the lifting up of hands. Well, we're Baptists; we don't do that. That's for the Charismatics. No, that's for the Bible believers. Okay. Um, you can actually pray on your knees. Oh no, that's for the Roman Catholics with the little genuflectors. No, no, that's for the Bible believers. Got it. Um, we've done exercise this one. Um, Brother Brian's been a big proponent. We can pray with the elders. It's a way to intensify prayer. Amen? Well, that sounds like you're getting away from what we're used to. Who cares? I want to go with what God says and do it in the way he says. So there's ways, okay? And a lot of times in the Old Testament, when they prayed and they fasted, they make sacrifices. On this side, we don't make sacrifices, but we can give alms. That's the way you can do it. And you can find that in Acts 10, verse 2 and verse 4. So again, there is no one way to fast. Okay, you'll have to look at your situation. You got to look at your heart. You got to look at your family, what's, what's, what's profitable, what's not. Okay, 
And, and you got to be practical. If you're going to fast, don't work a 12-hour shift in the ER. You might make a mistake and hurt someone. If you're going to fast and you're fasting, don't operate heavy machinery. Be wise. Okay? Just, just be smart about it. But if you're going to set up hard a chunk of time to do it, then, then go ahead. All right? So with that, I'm going to turn off the mic, and we're going to open up this to questions. If there's any fasts that are listening among the 30, we'd like to give you an opportunity to ask any questions. Okay? Did, 